0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galanti along with Andy Shea. Andy, we may have hit the offseason, but that doesn't mean things aren't busy, does it?
2: It's been uh it's been a real crazy like week since we last, you know, talked Penn State football, Jimmy. I mean so much has happened in a week. For, you know, it's bowl season, so there is some stuff going on. You've got the transfer portal, you know, you've got that going on. You've got coaches moving around, you got that going on. So there's a lot of moving parts, but there's been a lot of activity around the program and Penn State football just in the past week.
1: And you didn't mention, uh, I guess it's next week, we've got Commitment Day for the, the high school football players. So it is a busy, busy month for the, for the coaches especially. We know they're, they're running around, they're recruiting, they're re-recruiting their own players to keep them out of the portal. They're record. they're recruiting portal candidates to come in. They're getting ready for the bowl game. So they're doing a lot, which means we're busy also. But one of my favorite times of the year also going on, and because we get scouting reports from you, is high school playoff football. And when we have high school playoff football in the state of Pennsylvania, That usually means we get a sneak peek at some future Nittany Lions. So over this past weekend, you had the opportunity to see a few of these players. And Andy, it's great to watch the film. It's great when we get some people giving us their scouting reports. I love it when you attend these games and you give us your own own live scouting report because you were there. (laughs) So... Let, let's go through a few of these names of the players that you've seen. Um, probably the biggest name is Quentin Martin out of Bell Vernon. Uh, he's listed as an athlete because he could do multiple things. He's six foot a one, 190 pounds. What did you see from Quentin Martin?
2: So, first of all, I'll give you an update on Martin. Uh, he's 6'2", 205 now, Jimmy. But he okay. has... He's a bigger body now. He really has developed. So he's a two-way star. He's listed as an athlete as recruiting wise. I think he's going to play on the offensive side of the ball uh, for Penn State. Most likely at the running back position, new offensive coordinator. He has a lot of diversity to his football. I think he could play defense as well at the, you know, at Penn State at the power five level, but I think it would be a little. Longer walk home for him to find the field, but he has some very unique skills. He's the number one player in the state, right in this recruiting class. So he's the number one player in the state. The thing that stood out for me, and and I've seen him, I've seen Quentin Martin play before. What stood out to me that was different now was he was always like really like when you watch high school football players play, you can tell who the better overall athletes are, right? But what what you really are looking for in FBS recruits is what are they sort of short with and what are they doing to close that gap? And while Quinton was always athletic, he was like, you know, bigger, very strong, powerful runner, good two way athlete, good football instincts on defense. Like you could see all of it together. I I thought he was like lacking a little bit of that sort of next gear in space. He wasn't like slow and plodding in space, but he didn't like pop at you in space. And all indications were this year that he had done the work to sort of add that to his arsenal. And he put it on display in the state championship game against a fast football team with a long run. I think it was like 85 or 90 yards where he was pulling away and he already had a clear, you know, he has a clearly developed inside power game, and he's got really good vision inside the tackles. What I saw was a complete running back now or a complete offensive weapon, I guess that has developed his speed and space. Clearly he found another and developed another gear. And that was really important. He didn't have a lot of touches in the state championship game. Cause his team killed the other team. He had like 157 total yards. And I want to say he had like nine, maybe 10 touches and he had a touchdown. So he was really explosive in the touches that he got, but what stood out to me was to go along with what you already knew was already at a pretty high level. I was really impressed with that sort of speed in space and that next gear in, you know, when you got green grass around you, that was clear in other places as well, but on the long run, it just jumped out at you as like for him, that was another, uh, tool in his arsenal and I think he's a really complete back who will have the opportunity to be a contributor in a small way shape or form for Penn State obviously with the backs they already have but he's got some real football chops to him Jimmy and and I think it's you know he's a senior and he's the number one player in the state and he's going to Penn State always a good thing
1: okay Andy let me present to you the typical Penn State response on this the running back room is loaded with what they have and with what they're getting you mentioned defense probably tougher to get in the field they're loaded in defense it seems like every year now where there's a weakness is wide receiver could we just see him come out next year play wide receiver and yeah. uh help that wide receiver room right off the bat as a true freshman Interesting, Jimmy.
2: Um uh, <laughs> I'm thinking you you hear me. I'm sorry, people. I'm like, huh. Yeah, we we um, hear
1: the gear we hear the gears turning, Andy.
2: Maybe? Yeah, uh Jimmy, maybe. Because I know he's already indicated and you know, I heard him talking after the game that that he's that the coaches of our coaching staff has already indicated to him that you know, he will, he will most likely start his Penn state career on offense. He didn't say, you know, at running back or, you know, you know, in a slot position, he just said on offense. So, um, uh, yeah, Jimmy, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Let me put it to you that way. I mean, he's not a burner, but could he play like a, a slot receiver role? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got great pass catching skills. I mean, He had five catches in the state finals. He had just as many catches as he did, you know, almost as many catches as he did run. So he's a very diverse athlete. It might be in the cards. That's a great question, Jimmy. You should have saved that for quarter number three.
1: Well, if he's, you know, it's the kind of thing where I'm always the advocate. If you've got a weapon, use it. If I have multiple tight ends that are good, Put multiple tight ends on the field. I got good multiple running packs. Put them on the field. If I don't have the wide receivers, maybe this he could help. All right. There's a couple other players. Let's get to them. Let's um how about Tysir uh Denmark from Motep? He's uh from my listing, Andy, five ten, hundred and eighty-five pounds, wide receiver. He's in this class of twenty-four. What'd you see from him?
2: Yeah, so and Motep didn't throw the ball a lot um, because they were in control of the football game. Um, I, I think he. I think he's. I don't think he's a candidate to be an impact player in this wide receiver room right out of the gate. I. I, I don't think. I just don't think he's a recruit at that level that Penn State was looking at. I think he needs a uh, some some clear development in his sort of route running and figuring out how to get himself open is what I will say about him as a recruit at the next level in order for him to be a contributor. I, he's not a project. He's not like a, a project type player, but I don't think he's one of those that you could say, I, I think he's got real potential to be, you know, a contributor to Penn state right away. I, I don't see it that way. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. I just think he needs some more seasoning to have that opportunity at the next level. However, having said that, Penn State is desperate at the wide receiver position. So, I don't know. You know, talent meets opportunity. Sometimes it goes further than you think, and and they have a clear need at wide receiver. So, he's going to get an opportunity sooner than later because of the way the position stacks up at Penn State right now.
1: And you know, I thought of this when you mentioned uh, Quentin Martin playing in the slot, Tizer uh, Denmark. I'm just looking at the size, 5'10", 185. Yeah. I think slot receiver too. That It seems like they have too many slot receiver candidates and right. not enough of the other guys.
2: Yeah, they, 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 they have some challenges that they're dealing with, have dealt with, and are going to face this offseason when it comes to the position of wide receiver. At the Pennsylvania State University, there, there's. I'm being a diplomat, Jimmy.
1: <laughs> well, w- what's going to be interesting is, and, and we'll talk. Uh, I'm sure all off season about this and Andy Kotelniki and what he has to do as an offensive coordinator, which right. is how do you take these pieces that may not fit the traditional model? You know, the one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers xyz receivers you may have to adjust the offense to the tools that you have and that's one of the things that they've talked about kodal nikki being able to do is adapt to the skill sets of the players that he has we will get a chance to see that um let's uh, let's stay with MoTep with kenny Wosley, five eleven, one sixty five, 165 class of 24 he's a cornerback andy yeah, he's a he's a three star kid.
2: This was my first time seeing him in person. Um, I didn't know he was a three star recruit. I don't know why that is because he jumped out he jumped out at me in this game. He his coverage was outstanding. I mean, I knew he was a Penn State kid. I was watching him because of that, but I'm like, gosh dang, that corner's good. I said to my one buddy, and he's like, he's really good. He knocked down passes. He returns kicks too, Jimmy. Huh? And guess what? He's a kicker. He's a good kicker. So he's got some diverse talent. Um, He's a leader for MOTEP. He set the back seven of their defense. He's got high-level skills. He had six interceptions this year. I think he's an undervalued recruit at three-star. Think of the Johnny Dixon model. I'm a big fan. I like him.
1: It's interesting you you mentioned Johnny Dixon because, as you know, I'm a big fan of his also. And he performed so well. And that's the thing. Sometimes when we uh, talk about these recruits, we get so stuck on that stars. You know, four star, okay, that's a good recruit. Three star recruit, they're settling. And yes, I know stars do matter. They do matter. Okay. I'll take the five stars and four stars if I could. But. You can't just, you know, blanket eliminate the three-star guys. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter one. We still have a couple more players to talk about when we start quarter number two. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app. It's quarter number two on the
0: Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galanti. We're talking Penn State football. And really interesting, I tell you, Andy, every year I like this, that you go to some of the high school state playoff games, and you did that again this year. When um, we were wrapping up quarter number one, we were talking about Kenny Wosley from Imhotep, and I know you wanted to add to that conversation.
2: Yeah, I just think his ball skills, I mean, they, you know when you watch a – now he's a finished product as a high school player. Was what I got to see him for the first time. I didn't remember seeing him before, um, and I knew he was a Penn State, you know, commitment. So I was looking at him a little differently. But when you do that, and I come away after as long as I've been watching him, and go like, "Man, that kid's got some serious chops," and then to find out like he's sort of their quarterback on the field for their linebackers and secondary. He's not a linebacker calling it. He sets everything up. He's a leader. He's a kicker, dude. He kicked a 30-yard field goal in the state championship game, Jimmy. And it was was like belted. And he missed like two or three extra points out of 60 all year. He returns kicks. He returns punts. He's got, you know, high-level ball skills. And he's not necessarily a big, long corner, but he's a gluey, sticky corner that has the football instincts when the ball's in the air that are better than most that I see at the high school level. So I don't know about the three-star rating, but by the Andy rating, I think he's a candidate to give Penn state some quality in 2024 because the quarterback position is
1: going to be open. You you know what, Andy, Uh, that's interesting. And I'm intrigued by these other things that you say he does on the football field where he's, you know, essentially the captain of the defense, the quarterback of the defense, however you want to put it he returns kicks um he's a kicker even is when i see that multi talent it tells me a little something more about the player that hopefully it translates to the next level that the, they're more than just uh you know the, the, some of those intangibles are there whether it's the right. leadership the work ethic Just that knowledge of the field that he's trusted to call the signals on defense, that means there's a little more understanding. It's kind of like one of those things when you have players who, they were quarterbacks in high school and now play a different position. The fact that they were the quarterback in high school always impresses me. I'm intrigued by those players because I think there's a little bit more there. They have a little more understanding of the game. They have leadership skills. They have some other skill sets that probably translate to those other positions also. So anyway, those, what some might call extraneous items, I, I think they're impressive and I think they're, they're important. Okay, let's go, Andy. We talked about Quentin Martin, Tizier Denmark, Kenny Wosley. All three are class of 24 uh, members for Penn State. Let's go a little bit more into the future, and let's talk about, I think it's pronounced Taquai Hayes, uh, running back from Aliquippa. By the way, I also want to point out, multiple guys from Imhotep, someone from Aliquippa, these are just those standard names in high school football in Pennsylvania. So Taquai Hayes, he's... uh, Underclassman, just a junior this year i have him listed at 510 190 he's a running back did he impress you andy
2: i've seen him since he was a freshman jimmy he's just a stud he's just really good i mean he had 220 something yards and three touchdowns in the state final he's he's he can just do it he's not he's not exceptional like he doesn't like grab you and go like whoa that kid's really good at XY or Z right there's nothing that grabs you about Hayes as a running back it's just everything about him is either really good or borderline next level exceptional it's it's not one thing it's like five things he is a complete package yeah okay he's a he's a he runs more inside than outside because they have big, huge dudes on the inside, but he, his vision to cut and get himself some space outside is just next level. I just think he's a stud. I think he's a candidate when he comes in next year to contend to be a running back for Penn state sooner than later. I really think he will be. He's got another year of high school ball, but, the only thing I can say is just complete package stud and not in the Nick Singleton type level type way. I'm not saying he's in, you know, think of Nick Singleton when you, I'm saying for the, for what the skill sets that he has, he doesn't lack for anything as a running back that I can see and that I've ever seen. I've never watched him play a football game where I saw something that made me go, ah, Hey, he's got some work to do in that front. I, I just, I've watched him probably five or six times over his three years now. And I just don't see it. I see everything is functionally at the next level for what you expect at a running back. He's not a grab your attention guy, but give him 15 carries and you're gonna have he will have your attention. That's I guess is the best way to put it. He's not gonna grab your attention in his first three carries or four carries. He's not gonna bounce outside and go blazing down the sidelines. You're gonna go, whoa but given 15 carries, you're going to be like, man, that running back is really good. Like, yeah, he's really good. He's really good at what? And you're like, um, everything. So that's the kind of player he is. I-, I liked him as a ninth grader. He was a mile ahead of what you would expect for a ninth grader. And he's honed his craft even more now through his junior season. And he's just, he's just a complete package running back, Jimmy.
1: Well, it's, it's it's fun to hear that that running back tradition at Penn State is continuing. You know there there's exciting players coming. Uh, you know they have a couple the true freshmen who they redshirted this year, uh, Quentin yep. Martin. You know we think will be in that running back room eventually. That's it, it's just nice to hear that that's going on. It's running back you at Penn State. And speaking of which. We're going to go even a step further. Class of 26, uh, Penn State has a commit, um, M- Messiah Mickens, who's a running back, and he's from down in your area, the Harrisburg area, Andy. And I know you've seen him play a couple times. Uh, give us the scouting report on him.
2: Yeah, real quick. So it tells you that, yeah, you talked about running back you real quick, Jimmy. That's Quentin Martin, Belvernon, Vernon, number one player in the state. Kawhi Hayes, junior, running back. Penn State, one of the top three players in state. Messiah Mickens, sophomore, running back. Penn State, one of the top five recruits in the state um, overall. So they're getting the running backs, and they're getting the running backs from Pennsylvania right now. They've got the best senior running back, the best junior running back, and the best sophomore running back in the state. Each one of those classes, they're all are they're all going. I mean, Martin's going to go to Penn State and going to sign that in a couple weeks. And the other two are a Penn State commit. So, you know, Jawan Sider and James Franklin are holding some serving. But Messiah is, uh, just finished his sophomore season. It was an injury plague season. He got a high ankle sprain early in the year, battled it all year. But what the Flasha got to see early – he was really good as a freshman, but he was still a raw talent as a freshman. A, he got bigger, stronger, and faster in one year. In his second year, he made, a, he made major jumps in all three of those categories. He just looked like a next-level running back more than just a fast kid who was probably better than everybody else for a long time. And that's more of what he was as a freshman. He's diverse. He can line up as a receiver. He can line up as a running back. So he's got that sort of diversity that you like. I think he's more of a pure running back. I think he played a little more receiver this year because of the ankle injury that sort of limited his ability to plant and cut and really hampered him through about you know 75% of this season. He played through it, but he was never never the same running back after from the third or fourth game on this year, but he just battled through it. Uh, He's got um, open field chops and he's an inside outside guy. He likes to run inside to outside, but then when the play design goes outside, he likes to run back to the inside. In other words, he's not a big go to the sidelines type guy. He likes to run to space. If the play's designed to go outside, he likes to cut back in the middle and find space, and he's also not shy about initiating contact. Let me just put it that way. So, I mean, he's only, he was only a 10th grader this year. He's got some development to go. He's playing for, you know, Penn State Letterman, Jordan Hill. And, by the way, he has Mike Mowdy on that staff as well at Trinity High School. So he's going to be uh, – I think he's going to end up being – he's got real potential to be the number one recruit in his class from the state of Pennsylvania.
1: Well, as I said, Andy, just that legacy now. You see running backs – Pennsylvania running backs are now saying, you know what, Penn State, what they've shown, how they use their running backs, that's where yep. I want to go. But you brought up another point when you said, okay, you know, he could also catch the ball out of the backfield. Obviously, we talked about Quentin Martin and potentially even playing some wide receiver. But to me, that's just another tool. I want a running back. Who could catch the ball out of the backfield, Andy? I think that's a major, major weapon. So I think
2: two of these, I think Martin is a um is an offensive asset weapon, right? Like I think he could he's a running back, but I think A, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, B, he could play and sometimes does kind of line up as a wide receiver. You asked me that question. Hayes from Aliquippa, dude, that's a running back. He ain't catching the ball that much. They don't need to throw him the ball. He's a pure running back, whereas I think Messiah Mickens, I think he's got a little bit more of that you know, diversity skills in terms of, yeah, he's a running back, but I, he, he catches the ball sometimes out of the backfield. But I'd say he also lines up at about a 60-40 ratio, 60% at running back, 40% at wide receiver, not just catching it out of the backfield but lining up as a wide receiver target. So I still think he's a running back. They're all three sort of, I think, running backs. But at least two of these three that Penn State's getting from Pennsylvania in the next three years that are committed to Penn State, they've got more meat on the bone than just being pure hand the ball off to them running back type guys.
1: Well, as I said, I like that feature with among these players. What I also like too, Andy, is how Penn State – has established with Catron Allen, Nick Singleton, having two running backs, two really good running backs, and in the same backfield. So they've set that precedent. So if these running backs, they shouldn't be so concerned, hey, there's more uh, talent in the running back room than just me. Hey, that's okay. It's a feature, not a bug, that you can share the load. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter two. Stick around. Quarter three, we've got your questions. We're going to ask Andy. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app,
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. with It is quarter number three. That means it's time to ask Andy. This is where we're going to take your questions for Andy. If you want to send a question to Andy, here's how you do it. You just got to download our app. Keystone sports you'll see the ask Andy button hit that, and it's real easy. Just give us your name, your hometown, and your question and who knows? maybe we'll read your question on the air. Andy, just an update right now we're not going to have a prize today. I know some people are okay. will be disappointed, but you know what Andy's answer should be reward enough for you. <laughs> Right. <laughs> all right yeah. Maybe in the future We'll reset up a prize and all But just uh, you, you will get your question answered Let's start with Tim in Port Matilda Who says Salty Jim I think you'll appreciate this question Obviously this is directed towards Andy Since he's part of the media Why does there seem to be a tone of derision And annoyance among a lot of the national Talking heads when it comes to college football it's almost like they hate the sport they're covering. We saw this a lot with COVID. A lot of the media members were clutching their pearls that the Big Ten was actually considering the sin of playing college football. Some of the coverage is just off-putting. I'm not going to name names, but I think you both know what I'm talking about. Andy, fire away. So, I do have
2: an answer to this. Um, sports writers like like people that cover the Folks that cover college football like to think they like to think they're smarter than the average bear, right? They like to think that they know a little bit, just a little bit more than most. And some do. That's that's not up for argument or debate. But here's the thing about here's the thing that has kind of well, I think can help answer your question. And good question, by the way, Tim. I like it. In Port Matilda. It's that they They like to have knowledge. Knowledge. They like to know a little bit more or be able to provide you some insight because of their knowledge. Guess what? They don't like change. And guess what college football's been going through since COVID? A whole big bunch of change. A lot of change. Conference changing. Conference realignment. You know, the transfer portal. NIL. There's been a lot of change in college football so that much change at that sort of breakneck of a speed it's not been a slow roll Jimmy it's been a pretty fast burn on the change front right as you would say relatively speaking that's it they, they can't get ahead of the learning curve ahead of you know the regular Tim and Port Matilda fan they can't get ahead of them or provide them anything because they don't like change it happened and it's been happening really fast And there isn't, I've said it a couple times, like, you know what? I don't know, Jimmy, I'm not sure if I have enough knowledge and perspective to answer that. And a lot of guys aren't sort of in a position personally to actually admit that. And change
1: is hard. You know, I'll probably, I, I like the answer, Andy, but I'll go maybe a step further or a little bit different direction is that about a thousand years ago, I, uh, I read an article, and I know I'm going off tangent, and I went to my father with it and said, hey, how about this, Dad? And this was long before the political bias was so obvious in the media one way or the other. And my father said, who wrote it? I said, what do you mean? He said, before you read an article, read the source, okay? And that may tell you an angle or a bias, And I think the media does have bias. And Tim, he brought up COVID. And I think, as we all know, for some reason, COVID turned into a political football. And, you know, people's take was based on their political standing more than it was science or whatever the reality was. But you need to read who's writing it where the bias is. And I know I'm kind of going off here, Andy, because I feel passionately about this, but all right. I say Paul Feinbaum to you. What's his bias? Southeast conference. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's obvious, Andy, I, you know, I read a headline that says, Oh, Paul Feinbaum is going to tell you who should make the college football playoff. I didn't have to read the article. I knew right. the answer was going to be an SEC team. At least, or maybe true. two of them. Yes. I think he did mention both Alabama and Georgia. I read uh, the other day, headline, Paul Feinbaum picks his winner between Alabama and Michigan. Didn't need to read the article, Andy. Didn't need Pick to. Alabama. Right, yeah. There's Of course. There's, no, there's
2: nothing wrong with that, Jimmy. But don't try and be any. Paul tries to be something that he's not, Right. Paul Paul is an SEC insider and expert. Be an SEC insider and expert. Okay, you might have an opinion about college football, but because you're a, a good SEC insider and expert, and he is, he really knows the SEC inside out and he's well-connected. Stay in your lane. Don't become an expert at the bigger college football picture when you're clearly – an insider and an expert on one conference more than anything else. I, I, I'm I an expert at the Big Ten, right? I know the Big Ten. I follow the Big Ten closer than any other conferences. I also watch a crap load of college football and look at it from another way. But I don't pretend to be a college football big picture expert in terms of, at that way. I just look at, I look at it through a big 10 expertise and tell you, you know what, this is what I see in college football elsewhere, but stay in your lane, understand what your audience is and what you're, what you're best at. And sometimes, and with today, all the change going on today and all the moving around makes it hard to be an expert in anything.
1: Well, Andy, it's a little bit is knowing your audience. We're talking to a Penn State audience, and we're going to tell things from a Penn State perspective. And I honestly say I'm a Penn State fan. I have a Penn State bias. It's out there. Now, if I all of a sudden got a national college football job, I've got to understand that It's not just Penn State fans that I'm talking to. And that's the thing. Paul Feinbaum went from a Southeast Conference uh, audience to a national audience. But there's also, you know, more biases than that. And, you know, without going down, you know, the, the political rabbit hole too far, Andy, but people have the bias. Is it hate speech or is it freedom of speech? Right. Is it plagiarism or is it? inadequate citation it depends on what side you're on which taints your view and you know i went big world political but that's happening the sports world is not immune to it all right let's move on andy i knew i would go off on a tangent there i'm sorry let's go to my buddy steve in columbia because we had this discussion um off the air also with some text messaging. But Steve says, Andy and Jim, this question is directed at Jim. Jim, your bromance with Manny Diaz is troubling. I like Manny Diaz, but come on. Showing my age here, but he reminds me as a defensive coach, not personality, a buddy Ryan in his 46 defense. Both styles, unique, aggressive, but both had great players and eventually figured out by opponents after a bit of time. Manny's blitzes on third and long got burnt many times this season after smart coaches of opponents saw the tendencies and game plan for it. Andy, your thoughts?
2: He's, uh, I wouldn't say burnt, but I'd say teams found a way to be effective, a little bit more effective on third and long this year than you would have probably thought or expected. That is a valid point. Um, but he also, count he didn't change his, Leopard doesn't change his spots. He didn't change his spots. He adjusted fire and came up with something different. That means he's an outstanding coordinator because he slow rolled it toward in, the, in the latter part of the season. But there was a time in the middle part of the season, I know they played Ohio State and Michigan then. Yeah, teams have kind of figured out a little bit on maybe what Penn, Penn State's tendencies were on third down. But he didn't change his spots. In other words, he, did, he didn't become less aggressive He just changed the way it looks and he did a little bit more mixing and matching with kind of what you expect with some new stuff thrown in. But I don't know. I think he's, I think, I mean, you go back to Miami, you go back to Texas, he was at Connecticut. He was a DC. He was a DC at a, he DC at a really high level and did some really good defensive work as a coordinator, not just at Penn state, but, well before that and brought all of that experience to Penn State. It will be interesting to see and we'll get to it, you know, second time around on a head coach, what it looks like. But yeah, okay. Maybe they were a little better on third down.
1: Good gracious it was hard to score against that defense. <laughs> well that's some bad- and I think what Steve was talking about probably more than anything else was the Michigan game where Michigan converted on a few third and longs and did some surprise. They ran on third and yep. long and were able to convert and made some big plays. But I would hardly say that Penn state was dominated by Michigan. Uh, you know, he total, uh Manny's defense totally forced them out of throwing the ball. Yep. And, It's the fact that the offense didn't score any points for Penn State that you you look at these couple plays. No defense is perfect, but if Steve's point is that, you know, maybe somebody, maybe Michigan, demonstrated a bit of a weakness, you know what, that might be an accurate statement. Now, you know, unfortunately, we won't get to see Manny – coach Penn State's defense again against Michigan, it would be interesting to see how he adapts. Alright, let's sneak one more in. Joe from Elizabeth sure. says, Jim and Andy, love your show and your insight. Uh, with the Big Ten and Southeast Conference expanding next year to 18 and 16 teams, with each additional adding uh, potential playoff teams, with the 12-team playoffs next year, any 2 lost team in either conference is certain to get in. My question is, since the big has not big ten has nine conference game schedule could a three lost big ten team get in ahead of other conference three lost teams and what are your thoughts about not guaranteeing a group of five team getting in
2: I I'm not sure no I think among the 12 I like a group of five team I'll last group of five team I'll answer the last question first one and one only please um, when it comes <laughs> to that I think I the We'll have to learn what the college football playoff committee sort of you know, flavor of the losses. But in my opinion, I think a three-loss Big Ten team with their conference schedule has more meat on their bone than a two-loss SEC team. The, you know Obviously, it depends on who the loss is to, but I think you play more conference games, I think you have a harder schedule, especially in the two-power conferences.
1: Big Ten, um, SEC, only. Very good, Andy. I want to add something, a note to that, but we're out of time here in quarter three. I promise we'll get to that as we start quarter number four. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four
0: on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystonesportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim, he's Andy. It's quarter number four of our show. Andy, we were wrapping up quarter three with our um, Ask Andy questions. And Uh, It was uh, Joe who asked the question about, you know, would a Big Ten team with three losses um, have an advantage over a three-loss team from another conference? And you, I think, correctly pointed out yes, but I think the question is a little bit deeper than just, you know, apples to apples, three-loss to three-loss, because you're going to have the Big Ten and Southeast Conference Dominating those 12 playoff teams. Because remember, USC, Washington, Oregon come over to the Big Ten. Oklahoma, Texas go into the Southeast Conference. What I think you're going to have is a situation where maybe, you know, 10 of the 12 best teams will be from those two conferences. And if that's the case, you may need to take. I think the bigger question is Southeast Conference and Big Ten, three loss team over a two loss, Big Twelve or ACC team. Andy,
2: yeah, if you're looking at that, um, I, I it, the power conferences, Jimmy, they're you know they're just they're better. I I hope the where you had five conference champions contending for four spots this year you're not going to have the 13 contending for 12 that way sort of thing. So I tend to think that the SEC and the big 10 being the two deepest and most powerful conferences that will carry some weight. Now, I also think it's who you lose to, right? That matters. Some, you know, that's going to be a, a sub factor in this. It's, it's not that you lost per se and it's who you lost to and how did you lose? Penn State lost to Ohio State and Michigan this year. Okay, it's like you know, Penn State fans yourself will say it's like every other year, right? Like we lose to Ohio State, we lose to Michigan. But in terms of the College Football Playoff Committee, those are quality losses. You lose to a, a Minnesota, you lose a game to you know Indiana, that kind of thing, and you're a three-loss team and you're looking at a two-loss ACC team, okay, two quality losses, does that hurt you more? I still think the two power conferences, I think eight is going to be my number. You're going at, you win a 10. I think you can expect to see at least eight schools from the Big Ten and the SEC in the initial college, 12-team college football playoff. That's just my personal number. I think that those conferences are good enough and deep enough that you're going to see eight of them.
1: Well, Andy, here here's the other you talked about who you lose to. I'm gonna suggest it's also who you beat, who your wins Correct. are. Correct. So if you give you know the competition among nine and ten win teams, nine and three or ten or two teams, if you are in the Big Twelve, the champion of the Big Twelve is gonna make the playoffs. My question is is it possible to be in the Big Twelve? How many big wins could you possibly have?
2: Right, right.
1: Previously, there was Texas and Oklahoma. There beating one of those teams or both of them were huge wins. Those opportunities go away. Yeah, I ACC. Think, uh, Clemson's not what they used to be. Where where are your big wins coming from if you're in the ACC?
2: Yeah, I I think for the for the sort of sub conferences, I'm going to just call them for not not the sec and not the big 10 yeah i think for for those other conferences i think who they lose to will carry more weight than you know it's it's who they beat well it's going to be it might be difficult to find a resume of quality wins so i think who they lost to will matter a little bit more than it will for for Big Ten and SEC schools, I think it'll be more of a balance for the power conferences. Okay, who'd you lose to? But where were your wins to, right? Where were your quality wins to hold back on? They're going to say they're going to judge everybody equally, but we know they can't, Jimmy. They can't. The conferences are not balanced. It's not an equal power structure. It's not. They have to. They have to take that into consideration. They can't. I might not say it out loud, but they're going to have to.
1: Well, you know, to your point on the losses, if you're an ACC team with two losses, um, you know, they're not necessarily going to be, quote unquote, good losses because there's just not enough good teams there. And maybe the Big 12 is the more obvious example of this, Andy, because who who are going to be the traditional football powers in the Big 12 now? Don't know. No idea. Yeah. That, Good question. That's that's going to be the problem they have. So that's yes. why I'm saying, you know, a three loss Big Ten team or even Southeast Conference, even though they only have eight conference games, will Trump could could be you know a better than a two loss. All right. Anyway, Agreed. uh Joe, thanks for the question. We ended up spilling into half of quarter number four with that, but Andy, uh, that ate into our time. But I'd still want to get to it about um, Manny Diaz. We kind of danced around it a bit, a little bit again with the question from our Ask Andy segment. The first question is, you know, do you go outside for a hire or do you stay internal for that hire? But I think the the add-on question to this, Andy, is there was a very, very specific style that Manny Diaz played. If you're James Franklin, do you say, wow, that was so successful, and a lot of these players are back who've learned how to play this. That's what we're going to do next season. We're going to play that style. Or do you say, you know what, that's Manny's defense, and Manny's not here anymore. What do you think
2: that's Manny's defense and Manny's not here anymore that you can't do that. You can't put an expectation on a new coordinator to take Manny's defense and run with it. Those shoes are too big to fill Jimmy. I'm sorry. That's just, I, I, I'd said it when they hired him. I, 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 we knew Manny was a short-term rental from the beginning, right? It was sort of outside the box. What James did in hiring Manny. I mean, it, Manny was only his third defensive coordinator. So he's had, you know, uh, unlike the offensive coordinator, he's had, you know, a lot more stability and success in terms of his, at the coordinator position. And it, by the way, now Manny becomes the second in a row after Brent Pry to leave and take an ACC head coaching job. Hello, that's not a lateral. So they're moving up They're you know, in Manny's case, he's moving back on up. But I just don't, I, 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 you have the talent. This is what I have to offer you. Tell me what you would do in your image and likeness to coordinate it. Manny has left you with a pretty full cupboard of developed talent and recruited talent. What would you do with it? So I think James is in a better, you know, position of power in terms of he gets, he's going to have a little more pick and choose in who he wants to hire for this position. And he doesn't have to uh, sort of, you know, get it filled and and get the answers to some questions real fast. I love, you know, he went outside the box and made a phone call to Manny when he was, you know, struggling and not figure, you know, had been fired by Miami and was down in the dumps and was like, hey, I'm just calling you. I don't know you pretty much from Adam and Eve. And, you know, I know who you are and you know who I am. But I'm just curious if you have any interest at all in coordinating my defense. And Manny was like, "I didn't expect that phone call." He totally said that I didn't expect the phone call, but I was a little bit intrigued by it. And look what it produced. So, he was always a short-term rental, Jimmy. He was, he was a coordinator. I knew it from the next level. I'm like, this guy's really good at his job. My opinion, I thought the NFL would have probably uh, would have been a likely. If Manny Diaz was going to leave Penn State, I wouldn't have been. St- I had coaching job in college. Everyone thought. I thought, man, this guy could be an NFL defensive coordinator and be really good. I wouldn't have been surprised if he'd have been been moved to plucked and moved to the NFL. Either way, he was outstanding at his job, but he left a full cupboard. And I don't think you saying, okay, make this an extension of what Manny did. That's to me, that's bad juju for the next dude. This is what you've got. What are you going to do? And James gets to find out who he thinks can do it. It's got to be a good recruiter, right, Jimmy? It's got to be a recruiter, too. James is well, a recruiter guy. You've got to be able to recruit.
1: Andy, you know how kids, uh, they go from mom to dad trying to find the answer they want to hear? that That's what I feel like, because T. Uh, Frank gave us Pretty much the same answer earlier in the week, you know, that you don't duplicate this. You go outside. So mom said I couldn't have a candy bar for dinner. So I'm going to ask dad if I could have a candy bar for dinner. And he said no also. So I got to find the babysitter. And, you know, to me, Andy, it's I've over these last two years grown to really like this defense so much. I love the aggressive nature of it. I love how the talent is being used. I don't want it to go away. Okay, this is Jim's candy part, and he wants it. And, you know, the question became, you know, can you get an internal candidate? Anthony Poindexter seems to be the guy whose name comes up the most. And my take is I want to hear Anthony Poindexter, his take on it. I want him to say, you know what, James? Been here the last two years watching it, love it. I've got a grasp on it. I think I could continue it. You know what? Yeah. Am I going to tweak it? Sure. I am because no defense is perfect. You have different personnel year to year, but this is the style I've learned it. I like it. That's what I want to do. That's the answer I want to hear, Andy. I will say this. Anthony
2: Colt, Poindexter was the co defensive coordinator this season at Penn State. Am I correct? That was his yes, title.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: That was not, that was, that's not just handing him a title to keep him on a coaching staff. That's done for a reason. I do think he has a real, 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 real solid shot at becoming Penn State's next defensive coordinator. I don't necessarily subscribe to the belief they have to go outside. I think, you know, I think there's something to that. And James, the head coach, making him the co-defensive coordinator. He was integral. Now, it's Manny Diaz defense, but, you know, they were top three in like seven different categories in the country. Top three overall at the end of the regular season. Yeah, Manny Diaz is really good at his job, but he's got some good dudes around him, too. And Anthony is one
1: of them. All right, I'm going to assume that means I won you over, Andy. I'm gonna call it a win. You can't have a candy bar. I'm gonna have the candy bar for dinner. All right, Andy. Thanks a lot. That show went fast today, and thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app